two, one. There you go. We are live. Damn, right on time. It jump started your count on my screen. Ladies and gents, happy Friday. We're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> and we got a UK show for you today. What? Let's see. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> All right, it's time. It is the beginning of the show. It's time to drop the fire intro. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, I know Hernan won't be able to help himself, so I'll just say it. So good, man. So, so good. good, man. <laughs> <laughs> so good on the Business Bros Podcast. We have another incredible guest lined up for your listening pleasure. Our guest today is a software engineer by trade, but that did not stop him from developing a company built around writing and content development. Capitalizing on his experience, he and his team figured out a way to engineer the content writing process, and now they build content the way they know it works. Our guest didn't stop there. In addition to honoring their company's social mission to empower women, destroy the, gla the glass ceiling, and reduce the gender pay gap, they further developed their business into a lead generating tool that utilizes AI to elevate marketing outreach to an even more efficient and targeted process. Without further ado, and when with one hell of a resume, joining us from GoPin Leads and Goodman Lant and based across the, across the pond in the UK, welcome to the show, Rod. Goodman Anand. Raj, welcome to the program, man. Woo! And James, I love the the introduction, and the audience is incredible. All these guys. <laughs> oh man! It's freaking amazing. <laughs> Raj, they're happy to hear from you. Oh, yeah. And they're still in black and white. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I mean, you're coming all the way from across the pond. Uh, James gave a, an intro. You have a wide array of things that you've done in your resume. What's the thing that you're working on most right now? What's the prime thing that's consuming most of your time? At the moment, I would say it's to scale up. So um, uh, the company was started six years back. This is my third company. I'm going to explain why this is my third company and what's different this time. But around now, the aim is to scale up. So we are growing our, our team, um, our, our sales teams, our uh, operation teams. Uh, we're building affiliate networks, for example, for, for our company and actually growing a lot in the U.S. That's, that's where we really operate. Um, we have... At the moment, uh, three different services, as, as James men mentioned, is uh, one is the native English content writing. Um, then there's GoPin Leads, which is a yellow pages on steroids uh, for lead generation. And then there's software development. And each one of them actually is growing, especially in these times, which are tricky, hard. Um, we still manage to scale up. And now the aim really is to kind of grow that, that, that growth from where we are right now to, to 10x in the next three years. So we have a, a big sort of challenge on, on, on our hands, obviously. What you described there was uh, the way you're building a business, like you've 
messed up before in the past, right? <laughs> like when, when you start a business in the past, uh, it doesn't, you don't usually describe it that way. You talked about scaling, you're talking about building sales teams, you talked about a couple different things. What happened to business one and two? What, 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 what hiccups did you come across? How'd you overcome them? Well, business one was a social media white label software business right out of university, raised, uh, you know, raised some money, um you know it, it was it was okay but obviously i didn't know about you know i was working in the business not, not on the business and mm -hmm. that was my, my biggest mistake actually um i wasn't thinking about scaling up i was thinking about getting myself a job which was really silly of me um but i mean in hindsight things obviously you know you, you can look at them and say you know what well, that was silly stupid but um i learned a lot from it um it helped me now to plan and think about what to do. Business number two actually was success. I actually sold the business, made, made some all right money from it. And it was my sort of stepping stone to what we have today. Um, and number three business is all about not only making money, but actually giving back, making a mark in, in the world before I kind of, you know, I, I, I call it quits, um, really to, to really help um, and build something which is sustainable, but equally, um, you know, helping our team grow and become tomorrow's leaders, for instance. So you you said you were uh, empowering women and trying to break that glass ceiling of of uh, gender equality when it comes to to pay scales. Why is that such a big thing for you? I mean, there's so many other things we can uh, tackle in business. Now, I'm not saying that that's not important. It's definitely important. But why is it that that fuels you? Multiple reasons. Um, I, I think throughout my, I mean, I, mean I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed because I, 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 was, I was born in the Middle East and then I moved uh, to the UK when I was 18. I've spent most of my, my well, my adult life in the UK. Um, and I've been, you know, I, was, I worked in, in a Spanish company for five years in Spain. And, you know, I speak a few languages. I've, I've been around. And I noticed one thing which is common, which is that, Throughout the time when I was working with different companies, that my own company, women who were extremely smart, talented, you know, good leaders, they didn't get the opportunity which men did. And overall, there's a lot of inequality in this world. You know, there is that sort of dominant, uh, you know, there's a particular uh, stereotype of a, a manager or a director or a company owner who seems to do, do well. And this whole campaign around Black Lives Matters, for instance, and this whole idea of inequality doesn't sit well with me. I, I believe that there is an opportunity for everybody to, to make it big. You know, whatever your passion is, whatever your, your, your choice is, you can, can do a great job at it. And women especially suffer this, this, this sort of inequality where they don't get any opportunity to kind of really perform well. For example, at university, college, uh, and school, my women colleagues were, you know, the top in the, in the top 10, there were always like five of them. And there were only half the, the students were actually women. So, you know, it shows that they have a lot of talent. If you look at the uh, situation right now, the pandemic, women leaders uh, outperform the male counterparts. <laughs> so helping us, you know, be, be healthier and safer. So, you know, there's something to be said about women leadership. And, you know, this also in, in line with the, the UN uh, development guidelines number five, which is to actually help uh, remove gender inequality and give women an opportunity to grow and showcase the skills.
That's that's powerful because I mean you're, you're right. The the issue always comes down to whatever whatever male chauvinist argument you want to use, right? Whether it's uh you know uh, emotional stability, whether it's the fact that they bear children, so you you know they're going to be leaving the office or whatever. We're always going to use something like that. But the fact is, uh, well, we're not always the- going to. That's exactly what we're talking about. But well. I think see, and here's my. I'm gonna be a realist, and no matter what, as long as there is a male and a female, um, there's always one that's gonna be thinking in their mind that they're more dominant than the other. So we're humans. That is always going to be there, but we're gonna fight to get it as close as possible to a, a level where it's equal. And I think as individuals that come into the business, right, to come in, that come into the business space, if you're being the leader in your own space and opening the doorway to have that equality. You're one more business setting the example that other businesses can follow, uh, can follow suit. Right. Cause I mean, I'm being honest, there isn't, there's never going to be a dominant, uh, where everybody, nobody is no longer racist. That's always going to be there at some point. There's never going to be, uh, you know, hundred percent of the world that believes men and women are hundred percent equal. Uh, mm-hmm. same thing with gay and lesbian or straight, right? This is never going to be hundred percent, but if you can be that difference, in your circle, then at least you're modeling what you want to see in the, in, in the world in front of you. And I think that's a huge thing. So let's go back to your business. Um, when it comes to scaling, what's what's one of your biggest problems that you're coming across right now uh, in, in trying to get your business to scale? Well, um, I think scaling is a, you know, it's well documented. There are a lot of books about scaling up. Um, there's, there's a lot of information available online. There are podcasts, there are audiobooks. But I think the biggest challenge with scaling is that it's a very rapid process. Um, we need to bring in the right people. And true to my, 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 my mission as a, as a company owner, um, our managers, are all women-led, so they're all you know, it's a women-led business. Except um, myself and one of the non-execs. Everybody in the company, in terms of the management, is a woman, and we are really to help them and train them uh, to actually showcase their talent. You know, some of them have kind of come in uh, to the business, and it's their you know first senior-level role in the in the company. So you know, we're bringing in trainers. Uh, coaches to actually help them train them so they can become tomorrow's leaders and that takes time and effort and energy and and to be patient because while sometimes I think to myself you know what I could do it myself it'd be much easier and faster the right approach isn't to work in the business is to work on the business have a helicopter view of it and that's sometimes a bit frustrating, but it is the right approach. You have to be patient and just train the team to be to do the right thing. All right, I'm gonna push a I little bit that. more. Yeah, I'm gonna push a little bit more only because we're 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 pretty much in the same boat. Um, so that is a very good answer. It's it's kind of generic. I want to know more along the lines of what is your biggest struggle right now in trying to scale. Because James is James and I are in the same boat. We're trying to get our insurance company to the point where we've set up a lot of systems in place, and now we're ready to stress test it. Right? We're ready to go out and recruit as many insurance agents as we possibly can to put this system to the to the test to see where the weaknesses are. So I'll tell you right now, I know our weakness, our our struggle in the scale is to is the recruitment recruitment process. So in your business right now, what do you think is the biggest problem you're facing when it comes to scaling? Well, like everything else in business, um, scaling up is also a trial and error situation. So you try mm-hmm. something, 
you kind of fail and then you try if you fix it you try again and as we scale up you know we obviously have put in uh in, into place different uh, measures processes uh but as we stress test the whole thing they kind of sometimes fail for example you know we don't have one manager or or second command in one position that leads to for example delay in 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 getting back to a customer and then what we do is you know, one approach is to kind of let it be and just move on the other approach is fix it and try it again and and then get it right so we're constantly improving our system we don't want to be just another content provider uh, we actually write you know very high quality content for b2b customers and even some really large brands in b2c um, you know household names in luxury retail uh, but mainly we are b2b company and in b2b we're focusing on you know a lot of co companies who are in the five to 10 million mark uh, uh, revenue. And with those customers, we need to do a lot of handholding. So our team have to be ready to pick up the phone to the customer and not only deliver their, the tasks they, they have assigned us, but also train them as well. So we have to be so well trained that we're not only a provider for content, but also a coach for our clients. That requires leadership challenges and, you know, it's constant training, to be honest. So we spend a lot of time and money on that process. That's funny, man, because I, like I said, I, I when I when I ask that question, I'm, I'm really asking because I feel there's a lot of parallels in what we're doing. And, and I, we're, we're in the same boat. It's almost like, you know, you bring somebody on board to your organization and there is this learning curve of how you do business, right? How do you operate? Because we want to achieve the same end result. But how do you get from where you are to that end result? And I think, you know, for us in that scaling factor is really systematizing that process. Mm -hmm. I was reading a book and I, I forgot what book it was because we've, we've been reading quite a few books the, lately. But in the book, they were talking about the systems and how when you go on an airline, for example, uh, the whole emergency exit is a system that's in place and it's been so fine-tuned over the years that it's literally just a pamphlet that you pick up and it doesn't matter what language you read or who you are the images clearly show you mm -hmm. grab the mask put it on right there's a flotation device like it's easy to understand but everybody in that plane even if you've never flown before will understand what the process is should you get in that situation uh, and i think that's where for us in the scalability factor is having that system in place where it doesn't matter who comes on board the system is easy to follow and not just that the management knows where everybody is in that system that is difficult uh i think uh in that in that scale factor whether it's you onboarding a customer or us onboarding uh uh you know well i guess the insurance agent is our customer <laughs> that is the difficult part for the scaling um what what would ideally what would it look like for you if that problem was completely solved what would that process be like seamlessly well, I mean, before I answer that question, I, I think the, the one thing which is super important in, in this entire process is to have a company culture. Um, this is something which is really important to us. Um, 2019, uh, I remember we had to kind of fire our entire tech team and rebuild the team because the company's core values were not met by the team which was there. And we think long term. And when you think long term, we bring in people who have the same core values like we do. That's super important to us because to get the company culture right, to get the company to 
to grow, we need the right managers, the right culture. We inculcate the same values that, like like I have for my um, for my customers, and so now managers, everybody are also in the same line. Um, that for me is the most important part to get it right. And almost on a weekly basis, I mean, we have these these you know we call um, standups, so daily daily huddles or standups with the team. And in those things, we don't ask you know team members how was the task yesterday or what's the task for today. We also ask the question. How are you currently feeling? Like, how do you mm. feel, uh, James? How do you feel, Arnand? How's the the Raj today feeling about his day and you know his life? Because we care about team members. You know, just to kind of mention, our entire team is remote, and this is one reason. I mean, the reason why I start, set the company up in this way is because before I started a Goodman Lantern, I was working for a Spanish company, and I was you know I was taking two hundred eighty flights per year. Uh, absolutely insane, literally insane amount of fly, flying. I said to myself, you know, you know, I helped the company grow from seven and a half to 44 million in revenue. And I thought to myself, listen, now I have to kind of do this for myself and actually have a, a better lifestyle so I can stay with my family and see them more often. And so the company was built to be remote so I can run from, from a boat uh, in the middle of the ocean. That was the idea behind the company Goodman Lantern. So having a remote, you know, having a remote company and having a company culture in that remote setting is not easy. And so we we work extra hard. We do these these monthly uh, fun activities, for example. You know, we do you know quarantinis where you drink a martini when you are you know obviously isolated at home in a, in a quarantine situation. Uh, we do these quarterly meetings. We do an annual uh, retreat. Uh, we did last one in, in Bangkok, for example. We flew the flew the team there. So. All these things really matter to form a company which everyone trusts the long-term vision of the company. And we all work together to form this, this one, you know, this one bus, the, the right bumps in the right seats. And we all kind of going to the end destination together uh, as a team, not just individuals. Tell me about, I Amazing. mean, that company culture thing, it, it, it always it always has a double edge to me, right? On the one hand, yes, I do want the company culture to be a fun culture, a place you want to enjoy working with, the people that you enjoy waking up and talking to every single day. That is absolutely important. Um, where I where I tend to deviate is the path that we're all going to. Is your company culture a sales-driven culture? Do you need to make sure that our bottom line is in place? Is your company culture a customer service-driven uh, culture where you want to make sure that all your clients are taken care of and, and maybe your retention's high? Is your company culture uh, maybe an aspect where growth is in mindset? So you're you're trying to recruit as many people as possible uh, and you're okay with a little bit of turnover. Like how do you how do you make sure that everybody is in that same boat working in that same direction, but has that same uh, mindset? But it's still willing to, you know, have fun with each other. At what point did you decide, my chief technical officer, the person who is in charge of technology, you're not lining up with X, Y, and Z in our company culture? We're going to cut ties. I mean, I struggled with that quite a bit initially, um, and again, this is, a, you know, a, a renewed mindset which I've had in, in, at Goodman Lantern, uh, at least for, for my uh, growth as as a, as a as a business person. Um, and and the way we do this is, we have certain keywords which we associate our team and our core values with. For example, encouragement, experimentation, um, improvement, and uh, integrity. These are the four core values which for which you know the entire team 
the entire decision making is all based on these four keywords. So, for example, if you are going, you know, if, you, if you're moving from a platform to to another platform, is this helping us improve? Is this, is this helping us experiment a bit more? If that's happening, then yes, this is the right thing for Goodman Lantern. It might not be the right company, right decision for, for example, ABC, ABC Incorporated or ABC Limited. But for us, these core values is what makes us Goodman Lantern. And every team member who we hire in our company has to go through these four core values. If they don't have them, then they're not part of our company because this is what we run our company with. And if we, if we don't do that, then we just have great people in the company but with different ideas of their future. We have to align the entire team together and have the same vision. And for that, we need to have the same core values as well. All right, so let's assume that uh, you're, you you got your core values in place. Everybody's lined up in that direction. You've been doing some training. What's stopping you from achieving that level of, of uh, scaling to the, your business to that point that you want to get to? What's, what's probably your biggest hurdle right now then? Well, I mean, the the testament of a success, I would say, is, and I'm not, you know, bigging myself up a little bit, but that's not the ambition. Uh, just to kind of mention is that um, even during these really hard times where people have lost business, have had to stop business, and obviously it's impacted people's health, health for example, um, we have stayed steady. In fact, we have grown uh, 2x year on year, uh, even during these times. Um, and, and I think that's down to our strategy and a focus on our values and our aim to give our customers, you know, high value uh, at a great price. Uh, that's the core idea of what we do. And I mean, they are content writers uh, and they have been for centuries, to be honest. But what we do, what we aim to do is to give our customers a perspective on writing content and being their, their guide. We just don't want to, you know, be another company. We want to be a company which our customers recommend. In fact, today, 75% of our business comes from recommendations uh, and referrals. Um, the rest of it comes through other sources. And the aim now is to grow that part to scale up. So currently scaling up for us is actually growing our affiliate networks, growing our sales teams, because um, we have so far relied on our current customers to talk about us and mm -hmm. get us more customers. But to scale up, we have to also start doing the outbound, for example, start these sales teams, which are not, you know, not just inbound, for example. So there's the whole new way of thinking for us. And that's the main scale up challenge we're currently working on. And I, I feel confident that we will get there. It's just you know, we just begun this process a few weeks back. So this is a whole new strategy we've been working on. Yeah. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I have the saying that I always say: uh, your purpose in life is to be of service to others, but your business's purpose is to turn a profit. When you talk to your team and you have, you know, your your meetings or your trainings. How much time do you spend with your team talking about where you are as a company, as in maybe your PLs or maybe a PL per department? Uh, do you spend a lot of time on that? Is that one of the core things you talk about? Or uh, you know, are you are you remaining focus driven in, in the core values that you have? So with our 
for every manager, we have a, um, a, a bid dash sheet, which basically is our revenue and, and the margins we make on the work we do. And every manager gets a profit share in that. So as we grow further, apart from the salary that they receive, they also receive a bonus every month for the work they've done and get the customers happy and retained with their hard work and their high value. And that has led to them signing up to a higher package, for example, or to recommend it to, to, the, to their friends and family and that they've come on board as well. So our way of working is, if you want to be sales driven as a company, our, our thinking is that we should all be part of the success of the company. Mm-hmm. So the ups and the downs, we all write it together. So clearly, if you make more money, we should also reward our managers as well. So our managers get a, a bonus every month on the, the profits we're making in the company. And that's divided by each sector. So we, as I mentioned, we have three different departments and each one of them then gets their own, own, own margin. And the aim now is to roll it out to the other team members as well. So even they receive a share of the, the profits we are making as a company. So the entire structure of the company is aligned to grow, to sell, and to mainly do a, a great job for our customers. Yeah, then that's employee that's, owned. I love that. Yeah, it's it's everybody has a vested interest at that point because that's one of the things that is, when you're a solopreneur and you're getting ready to hire an employee, you often have that mindset of, you know what? Let me do it myself. You can't, I can do it better, right? Or I don't want to hire somebody because nobody can do it the way I can do it. And that's kind of the mentality that ends up going going about. And even when you hire employees, you always know that they're going to clock in and they're going to clock out and they're not going to do as good a job as you are because it's your business. So you might work mm-hmm. 12 hours when they clock out after eight, right? So we all have that mentality. But when you give your employees that vested interest, they all of a sudden have a different idea as to what they're doing because they know at the end of the month that that extra bonus check is a complete representation of the effort that they put in for that month or the prior month Hell or whatever yeah. it is. So they they care about their customers a little bit more. They care about what they're doing a little bit more. Uh, how how early on did you start to implement that strategy and did you have that in a in one of your previous businesses? No, I didn't. Uh, Sean says, no, I didn't. This is... Um, so I joined a um, entrepreneurs organization, uh, it's actually called EO, maybe you've heard about it. And um, that was about uh, a year and a half, two years back. And that's when I actually learned all of these things. And since then, you know, I've literally been focused on, you know, moved my attention from the customers to the team first. So the team is taken care of the team is, is is happy and they are winning, then I guarantee you the customers are also going to be winning as well. And and so it's about two years back, so six, or, six, six years old company. The first four years, we didn't really have this in, in the same way. The last two years, we have had it. And actually, the last two years is where the growth came into the company. And since then, you know, it's clear to me that if the team is is doing well and they're doing doing good, then the margins, the profit, and the sales will all go up as well. So we got Vidal watching the show. He is actually uh, the Shark CFO, uh, and uh, he says, "Love that making them part of the business." So you know, I, I learn a lot from him and, and listening to his show, uh, mm-hmm. Lunch with the Shark. 
and we get to we get to really think about our business in, in that kind of way. James is a very much when we talk business and we talk about how we're doing what we're doing things in our business, he's very much like what you're describing right there. And he really wants to make everybody inclusive and part of the business. But he always comes up to the wall because I'm the one who says, yeah, but how are you going to pay for that? Right. That's always <laughs> my, my response to almost everything that he comes up with. Uh, and, and it really always puts about a that bottom line, always about that bottom line. It always puts a wrench in his idea because, uh, if, if it wasn't for that, he'd give everything away. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then there's no, there's nothing left in the bottom line and working with people like Vidal and, and learning from people like yourself who, who have implemented strategies like this and who are, who are effectively paying attention to that bottom line, you know, putting things in place to help you get to that that scenario. Those are the systems that you were talking about at the very beginning. Those are the things that are going to get you to the scalability factor that you're looking for. Because again, for me and and like I'm I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm parallel to what we're what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Same. You know, thinking about how we can we can implement something like that where the where the engines that come on board, we keep thinking about the value that we can bring them, right? We can bring them, you know, marketing uh, abilities, teaching them how to prospect and all these things that are that are us giving them something, but the incentive that you develop there is not so much where we are giving to them, but they are giving to us because there's a value worth uh, there's something in it for them. And that's a that's a that's immensely powerful but difficult to implement. It is. It is. And I mean, obviously, not only is a business business uh, like a founder, but also you know now I also invest money as well into, as an angel investor into other people's companies. And I, the first thing I tell people is, don't focus on the short term. This is a long term game. It is all. And people often think that you know. It, Facebook, YouTube, Uber, they were successes overnight. The reality mm-hmm. is it took them 10 years before you didn't even hear about these guys and suddenly they just came out of nowhere because they were in the in the shadows, but they were working really hard then. They had they, there was a lot of uh, hard work and, and, and grind and graft there into the business before you heard about them. But without that, they won't be where they are today. So think about the long term. And Goodman Mountain is not a short-term business. We aren't thinking. We aren't thinking about uh, the next, you know, two, three, four. You're thinking about next ten years. You know, mm-hmm. we want to build something which is which is sustainable, which is actually, you know, empowering women. As I mentioned before, is is exactly giving value to our customers and for long term. Because if you think about only one year and it's making a quick buck, actually. It's not really sustainable. It's not going to be something which is going to give the client value. Client only see value after a few years when they have been in with you. You've had some good times and, and bad, and you show them that you really are a real business person who cares about the customer, the client, all the time. Clients and customers first, and that's the the motto I kind of go with. And and so. For me, it's really important that we think about the long term. And I think when customers think about that, that's when things go downhill. And and that's my, my advice to everybody to always think about 10 years from now. Absolutely. And even Vidal says, don't focus on the how, because he's right. You got to take action. You figure it out as you go, right? Develop those systems. And, and I think uh, the commission structures and the things that we have in place are, are, are exactly a testament of that, not really focusing on the how. And then I always got to give a shout out when the, when the kid hops on. So my son hopped on and said hi. So. <laughs> oh, I always got to give it a shout out. Hi, Liam. Uh, hey, no, you, 
and, and you're exactly right. I, I, Raj, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And, and I mean, I, I, I kind of grilled you a little bit. I put you on the spot and didn't let you go from, from, uh, from the scaling factor, but it was so, to me, it's so important to, that, that people understand that everybody hits this plateau in business. Uh, it's more common than people understand, right? It's, it's that step from being a, a solopreneur to hiring employees to then, to then becoming a business where, you know, all of a sudden you're not worried about where your, you know, hundred thousand dollar salary is going to come in. You're trying to go to that next level where you're trying to take your business to something, to something else. The, the, just trying to pay the bills is is not part of the issue anymore it's it's a bigger game and and oftentimes as as you know as you start a business you get stuck in those points and you 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 don't know what that next step and so if you know if i if i got to grill you a little bit hopefully it uh, you know it clicked something maybe in your head at least for us it it allowed me to some stuff in my head yeah exactly and i'm hoping at least for our listeners they're thinking okay you know what i can put that into into practice so thank you very much for coming on the show appreciate your time Lots of value. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, Laura and, and, and James. Uh, I, I, to be honest, it wasn't grilling at all. It was actually really fun. I really enjoyed it, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. And and by the way, ladies and gents, uh, Raj Raj got on because he was part of our our last minute guest list here. So, uh, if you guys want to be on on part of the part of the Business Bros podcast, make sure you guys check into you know our last minute guest list when we have openings. I mean, we book out our calendar eight weeks in advance. So, you know, we're booked up for eight weeks. And if you want to get on the show, make sure you're on the last minute guest list and we'll send out emails. And then, you know, if you if you want to jump the line, by all means, jump the line and, and hop on some of these early guest spots. So, you know, check it out and, and make sure you uh, you follow us on all our uh, different uh, platforms. We're at Business Bros Pod. And uh, quick reminder, September 1st is coming around the corner. James is launching the carrier. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the insurance space, we're going to be launching that soon. We're going to be sending out the calendar invites for those who are in the insurance space. You want to get on the carrier experience, you could be one of the first ones to hop on. So we'll be la- we'll be uh, sharing with that that with you guys soon. All right, and uh, before before we head out, uh, for anybody <laughs> listening and not watching, that was uh last minute, and also. Um, Raj, if you would, uh, shout out your website where people can find you. Sure thing, James. So it's uh, goodmanlantern.com. So G-O-O-D-M-A-N, lantern, L-A-N-T-E-R-N.com. And uh, yeah, and also I'm on, on on LinkedIn as well. If you just look for Raj Goodman, you can find me there as well. Awesome. All right, last minute comment. Nate, Nate hopping on the show. Sorry, James, I keep playing with the buttons just like you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we both stop. All right. Nate, top it on the show. Thanks for uh, showing us some love, Nate. Appreciate it. Check out his uh, his pipeline insurance office on the corner of Ian Broadway and Chula Vista. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Enjoy the rest of your Friday afternoon. Raj, thank you for joining us from across the pond. I know the time is totally different out there, but thank you very much for spending time with us anyways. Ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the Business Bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the Insurance Bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation. Or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.